With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Go Gamecocks podcast. A quick and informative look in the state of South Carolina sports presented by the state newspaper. I am your host, Greg Hadley, and I am joined by do-it-all reporter Ben Briner, and we are covering a lot of different topics today, but I wanted to start by talking about football, specifically, did the Gamecocks manage to kick open weeks, but, as Coach Will Muschamp put it, Ben, looking into this week, what do you think were the keys for South Carolina that they had to work on? Well, I'd say they had maybe a solid 10-point win uh, against open week. You know, maybe maybe not quite as close as that sounds. That sounds a little close. I think they ultimately got kind of done what they wanted to get done. They got three days of practice. They got some rest for some ailing players. They got a chance to get out and recruit a little bit. Right now their 2020 class is basically nearly finished, so it seems in a lot of ways like they were sort of doing a little checking in, doing a little re-recruiting. I know someone had reported something about Marshawn Lloyd getting a visit, and then really beyond that, a lot of that is setting you know the table for 2021-2022. I know they offered, I think, uh, I think it was a really dynamic playmaker out of Georgia in 2022. Yeah, recruiting is obviously a huge part of this. Muschamp said they're getting two, two full days when the entire staff is out on the road which is, you know, an unusual opportunity in the middle of the season. When you look at this 2020 class, what are its strengths? What are its weaknesses? And you said it's mostly done. Where can the Gamecocks still add a little extra? Well, the strength right now seems to be kind of in the in the playmaking spots. You've got Luke Doty, who I think can be a really good player for South Carolina. You've got Marshawn Lloyd. He's probably the gem of the class, top 50 national recruit at running back. Beyond that, they there was some question if they would end up going with three wide receivers or not. They ended up doing that when they added Rico Powers. So they got a couple of four stars there. In terms of what they need to add, they've got some nice pieces in the defensive front seven, namely Alex Hundley uh, and Tonka Hemingway on the fr- on the defensive line and Muhammad Kaba at linebacker. Now, South Carolina has four spots left in the 2020 class, and the question is going to be how much kind of gets invested in the offense. They're looking at tailback Henry Parrish. He's a pit commit right now. Also looking at Valdosta tight end uh, slash maybe receiver Jaheim Bell. He's a guy that's been on their radar, radar for a while, tore his ACL, but is a pretty explosive playmaker. And with him, it's kind of a very much wait-and-see question. And there's also a little bit of a question in do they need another tight end with Eric Shaw, who's pretty athletic and an interesting prospect, and having added Nick Muse coming off last season. And in terms of what they need, they probably need to add another linebacker. They probably need to add another pass rusher. In terms of the pass rusher, the biggest target is Reggie Grimes out of Tennessee. In terms of linebacker, I think it's Laneith Whitehead is a really big two-way star out of Athens, Georgia. He could kind of answer that question. Now, if they can sweep all those guys, that wraps up a pretty solid class overall. 
but they have to actually pull all those off. There's going to probably be some moving pieces because that's usually the way it works. There's still some talk that they're chatting with a defensive back. They've only got three committed right now, and that group's pretty thin but also pretty young. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that part of it shakes out. And looking on the field, you had an article about freshman quarterback Ryan Holinsky and kind of what Muschamp was saying about what he needs to do to improve and what he's shown him over these first four weeks. So when you look at Ryan Holinsky's development through his first month as a starter and then looking ahead through the rest of the season, what do you think are going to be the important keys for him? I think sort of the next steps are going to be maybe making a few more plays, maybe being a little finer in some of the the minor details. But right now I think a lot of what they're asking him to do is just run the offense, get the ball to playmakers, hit the occasional deep shot. Looking back at some of the film from the Kentucky game, it seemed like he got hit a good bit missed some passes here and there, and they were a bit reliant on some of the screen game just because that's kind of where their talent base is right now. But, you know, maybe get a few more of those shots you saw against Alabama. He had one really nice pass to Shai Smith, and if he can, you know, keep that up, increase the efficiency a little, increase his yards per attempt a little, which has been kind of low the past three games, I think that'll kind of really push him up and kind of carry him a little bit more. But overall, I mean, he's a freshman. He hasn't thrown a boatload of picks. He hasn't run himself into that many sacks. So I think he's in pretty decent shape overall. Hey there. Like what you hear? Good news. You can help ensure the state continues making journalism you love to read, watch, and listen to. If you're more into sports than news, you'd probably like our Sports Pass membership, which gives you access to unlimited sports coverage for just $30 for the first year. Subscribe to Sports Pass at thestate.com slash sportspass. You can also read more Gamecocks news by downloading the Go Gamecocks app or by signing up for our newsletter at thestate.com slash newsletters. Thanks for supporting local journalism. Now, back to today's episode. And shifting gears a little bit, we are right on the precipice of basketball season. That is about to take over your life for the next, what, six months? Something like that. Depends how far they can go. Well, Dawn Staley has herself an interesting team coming back this season. Really not as much coming back because of the, the large group of freshmen that they've got involved in there. What do you kind of see with the dynamics of these sort of different classes? Well, it was interesting. Coach Staley talked about it after the team's first practice. You know, each class has its own dynamic going on. You have the seniors who want to play well and go very far in the tournament to set up their professional hopes. You've got a junior in Lily Grissett who hasn't played too much over the past two years and really wants to step in and break into the starting role. You've got a sophomore class that was leaned on heavily last year that, you know, is going to expect to keep on getting those minutes. And then you've got a freshman class that everyone's been talking about for a while now, ranked number one in the country. You know, they want to come in and play right away and do really well. And so take all that together, and it's exciting, but it's also going to take time to mesh. Uh, I think that's kind of the most interesting part of this all. They're going to need time to figure out the dynamics and the chemistry of it all. And we saw that last season when the team got off to a pretty rough start, I would say. Uh, they were 5-4 and four at one point, which is just not typical for South Carolina women's basketball. And, you know, we might see that again. They play Maryland, who's expected to be a top-10 team, in the second game of the season. So how they play in that will be a little bit of a measuring stick, but we also saw last season that they developed a lot as time went on, and that might be, again, the case this year as they figure out those dynamics. Which freshmen do you think are going to have kind of the biggest roles right away? I think it depends a lot on the needs of the team. You saw last year that forward Victoria Saxton got a lot of minutes because the team was so thin in the front court. 
And moving into this year, the freshman I think is most intriguing is Bree Beal. She's a six-foot guard. She really fits into that prototypical three-spot, you know, a small forward who can shoot and extend the offense all the way to the perimeter, but can also come in and rebound on the weak side, present a lot of problems. The comparison she's gotten a lot is Alicia Gray, you know, that big guard that can present a lot of matchup problems, and defensively she's very strong. I think in the McDonald's All-American game she had four blocks or something like that. And what makes me think she'll play the most right away is because Gamecocks don't really have anyone like her at the moment that's proven that they can play at her level. And Coach Staley has already said she's the most physically ready for this level of play. So I I would count on her. Maybe freshman center Aaliyah Boston. She is also kind of a, uh, has a skill set that the Gamecocks don't really have in any other player. But they, you know, if they wanted to go smaller, then she would be left out. Yeah, it's worth looking back and remembering that that national title team basically went two guards, two tall forwards in Gray and Kayla Davis, and then just had Asia kind of in the middle, rounding it all out. In terms of Micaiah Herbert-Harrigan, she was a player who's always flashed talent, but it seems like has never quite been able to assemble all the pieces. Do you think she, as a, as a senior, is going to be able to kind of become that player that Don Staley seems to always hope she'll be able to be? I I would not make any predictions at this point just because it's the preseason and, you know, she entered the transfer portal for a little bit this uh, offseason and then came back once she and Dawn had a talk, figured things out. And ever since then, Dawn has kind of talked about building a better relationship with her, asking her to take on more of a leadership role in a similar way that I think she did last year with senior guard Bianca Cuevas-Moore. And Cuevas-Moore and Herbert Harrigan are very close. So I think you might see a similar trajectory this year where Cuevas Moore came in and broke into the starting lineup and ended up playing a key role for the Gamecocks last year. And I think Herbert Harrigan can do the same. And she has the kind of skill set that, you know, she is an all-SEC talent, especially on the defensive end. Fans love her blocks, and she has just the timing and the instincts to really make an impact on that end. And I think Coach Staley said last year she should have been on the SEC all-defensive team. And so I think the talent is there. It seems like the relationship between the coach and the player is at a very good place. So now we just have to go see it on the court. But I, if I was a Gamecock fan, I would be encouraged. Well, it seems like it uh, should be a pretty fun year and should make for a pretty interesting crossover month as basketball, really both basketball start up and, and football keeps kind of marching on. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of men's basketball, let's bring in our men's basketball beat writer, Andrew Ramsbacker. Andrew, you've been going to several media availabilities, talking with the coaches and players. There seems to be a lot of excitement around this team. Obviously, that's normal for the preseason, but they're not exactly tamping down expectations this year, are they? Frank Martin mentioned, he said this a few times this offseason, that there's more buzz around this team, he feels, than even coming off of the Final Four year. A lot of that is Frank Martin generated. (laughs) And I don't mean that in a he's creating this narrative. I mean that because... He has boldly stated since the end of last year (laughs) how excited he is about the 2019-20 Gamecocks basketball team. He loves the athleticism. Even last year, I think he learned a lot about this team and knew the guys that were coming back. With all the injuries and things like that, you establish two core pieces for your future in A.J. Lawson and Keyshawn Bryant. I think A.J. Lawson was always going to be the guy that would have impacted last year's team. I think Keyshawn Bryant got an opportunity with Justin Minaya's injury and ran with it. And with the return of those now for this season, 
you have two very experienced SEC players uh, that were part of a team that finished fourth in the SEC. So you surround that now with other guys you've gotten back from injury, Justin Minaya being uh, obviously a main one. Certainly uh, T.J. Moss is back. People kind of forget about him. He still started three games last year as a freshman at point guard, which gives you more guard depth. You bring in two guys who sat out last year for different reasons in Jared Bolden, the transfer and starting point guard candidate from George Washington, who was a double-digit scorer at GW. And you bring in Jermaine Kuznard, who sat out last year for an academic reason, who if you stopped by the Pro-Am this summer at Heathwood Hall, you saw him drop 40 points in consecutive games. Great, it was a Pro-Am. But you talk to enough smart people around basketball and around that pro-am, and they will tell you that this, this skill set that he has can be translated to real games. Now, is he going to drop 40 points? No. In the SEC, no. But point is, uh, he can be a contributor. So take all those elements in mind. Add in the fact you have a four-year starter back in Mike Kotsar, even though he's had his ups and downs. And you have a lot of pieces. They bring in a graduate transfer in, in Micaiah uh, Henry, who Frank could not say his name, so I don't feel bad about not pronouncing his, his name the right way. Uh, graduate transfer big, who they wanted at the end of last season. They found him from Tennessee Tech, a guy who averaged around 10 and 5, who I think can complement what Mike Coatsar can do in the post. Uh, but it's going to be a guard-oriented team. And I think Frank really likes him, and he's excited about him because he knows they can play an exciting brand of basketball. Frank will always take the opportunity to talk about how fast his teams play. This year's team, on paper, looks like it will be the quickest. Uh, They played at the highest tempo uh, of any of his teams at South Carolina so far last year, which is pretty impressive. We consider they were down to seven scholarship players for a stretch near the end of the year with injuries. So now you have a bunch of depth, and I expect them to run out and get up and down the floor. they got multiple guys that can get the rebound and go. Not have to wait for an outlet pass, things of that nature. So there, there's a lot of lot of exciting pieces um, that that make sense why Frank has been so optimistic uh, about this team, and I think the fans right now have, have caught on. Of course, again, the record is, is zero and zero, and uh, we know how the first two months of last season started. So if they can have a better start, this thing will now carry into the SEC. I think that's the big key to this thing. Yeah, I guess is it NCAA tournament or bust for this team? You know, Frank's made one tournament and advanced to the final four that was obviously an impressive accomplishment but that's the only tournament he's made and with all this excitement you're talking about I mean how are fans going to react if they don't make the tournament slash how important will this be yeah I mean things can change in a hurry Um, you know last year's team I think there was a little excitement not as much as this year clearly but uh, that went out the window with an exhibition loss to Augusta Okay, and then that carried over into a 5-7 and seven record before they hit SEC play. Now, you can talk about all the obstacles they hit in those first two months with injuries and things like that, a very difficult non-conference schedule. But the bottom line is they basically took themselves out of uh, legitimate postseason contention before they hit the SEC year. And they tried like heck to make it to the big dance with a really good SEC run, but uh, it was a little too little too late. They had a lot of room for error once they hit January. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Frank Martin's tenure, there, there's not one way, I guess, to describe what he's done here. Because South Carolina basketball, that position, coaching that program, is not easy. There is decades of history to prove that. Since the Frank McGuire era, the golden era of South Carolina basketball in the uh, you know 60s, 70s, John Roche, those guys, and Alex English, it's been really hard to recruit here. It's been really hard to build a consistent winner here. And I'm not trying to make excuses. These are facts. I mean, they went 40-plus years between NCAA tournament wins when they made that Final Four run. So 
it's a difficult job. Frank, as he has talked about, and he's right. I mean, I think five straight now, non-losing seasons, something that hadn't happened in a long time, I think, since McGuire. So that that's the one hand, if you want to look at it like that. The other hand is what you said, only one NCAA tournament in, the, in those seven years. Now, it was a heck of an NCAA tournament. <laughs> made, the, made the Final Four, and, and, and a lot of people will say because of that, you know, Frank Martin should have a lifetime contract. Um, I think there's some truth to that, certainly, because there are, there are some difficulties here of winning here. But, yeah, I think, I think he, he knows that this team needs, needs to be successful to, to kind of keep this fan base going. I don't think his job is in, is in jeopardy unless something crazy goes on because I think he has, he has built this thing to a level that – by South Carolina standards, is pretty good. But yes, to, to get back to the NCAA tournament, I don't know if it's NCAA tournament or bus, but they certainly have to stay in this thing toward the end to keep these fans engaged because I think he's got them on board right now. And finally, do you have any idea who might be a breakout candidate or an X factor for this team? Obviously, sophomore AJ Lawson is going to be the the headliner, the, you know, the potential NBA draft pick. But who do you think could wind up playing a sneaky big role? It's a good question. It's a question that I think has a, a few answers. I know that's kind of a cop-out. But right now, I think you immediately look at Keyshawn Bryant because you know what he did last year. You think about a history of Frank Martin players that develop pretty well from year to year. Uh, he got better from what seemed like game to game last year, right? So if that trajectory continues, if he develops the threat of a jump shot, his offensive potential is very high because of how athletic he is and how quickly he can get to the rim. So he's a he's a big piece. I mean, if he can be turned into an 11, 12-point-a-game score to complement A.J. Lawson, who I really do think can score you know, in that 15 range, that's huge. I think the guy that is going to be – here's my bold prediction. I don't know how bold this is because if you pay attention to, uh, to this roster and over the last couple of years you might know this, you might have a feel for this, but Jared Bolden might turn into Frank Martin's most trusted guard. I think he's going to be solid. I don't know if he's going to be a 15-point-a-game guy. I don't know if that's his game. But I think he's a guy who can bring stability to the offense, can bring experience to the offense. He's here for two years. He averaged double figures at George Washington. Uh, He can shoot. He can pass. I think he's smart. I think he kind of gives them that sense of, of, you know, Keyshawn Bryant and A.J. Lawson are great in the full court and get up and down the floor. You win games. You win conference games in the half court. I think Jared Bolden might help them the most there. So I'll, I'll go with him. I'll go with Jared Bolden. All right. Thanks, Andrew. That's all the time we have for now. We will be back Wednesday to preview football's game against Georgia, and we'll have more basketball coverage as we get closer to the season. As a reminder, please subscribe and like us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts.